you are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Mattis. Adam, you just ranted in my ear for 20 minutes about Nikola Jokic on a night where he didn't even play. He played last night, played the night before, <laughs> played a lot of nights over the last three weeks, and he has been transcendent. You know, it's my job. I told you, it's my job. I got to make the public aware what Jokic has done over the last three weeks. Just look it up. Well, well, one one day I will actually explain to you how our job works. And talking to me off air is not how you let the public know. <laughs> the, the, the Nuggets aren't the story tonight. There's so right. many stories in the NBA. All right, all right, all right. I just I can't get over the fact that you, that gave, you, you gave me a 20 minute podcast and we couldn't even record. Today's show, we're going to talk about Rockets-Lakers. The Rockets' grand experiment starts out with a win in L.A. Uh, to, it, was, it was just legitimately hilarious watching the, the guys from TNT try to figure out what the hell just happened. It, 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 the conversation eventually turned into them adding up points. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, it was I NBA. Love those guys. <laughs> Me too. NBA trade deadline day was also earlier this afternoon, and Adam and I are going to talk about the deals that were made there. And then, as we do every single week, our power ranking uh, this week straightforward. This week, straightforward. It's going to be a straightforward return to your usual power ranking now that the trade deadline has passed. So like let's it. start though with this Rockets Lakers game. Uh, the Rockets go into Staples Center, beat the Lakers 121 to 111. It was kind of close all game. It was kind of, it was weird. It was one of those games that was like high scoring, but it also felt like it was being played in the mud. And um, in other words, a Rockets game. It was, <laughs> it was a Rockets game. What'd you think of the experiment though? Do you mean about the trade or how this game went? I guess we can go right into both. Um, uh, well, well, let's, I, the game, the way the game went, I, I don't know. You think it's I, indicative? I mean, well, so really. first of all, you, you get six players with the Rockets in double figures, which isn't always the thing that happens with the Rockets. You do yeah. get 41 points from Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And this was a move, Anthony, that I think it was Westbrook desi- just scored on Kyle Kuzma again. <laughs> but this was a move that I think was designed more for Russell Westbrook than it was for James Harden. The, the, the Harden-Capella combination in years past has been great. It's been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason... You know, Westbrook's not a shooter, so putting another non-shooter on the court in today's NBA is a death sentence, and it turns out, even when you have a former MVP in Russell Westbrook, it's still a death sentence. So mm-hmm. this move, to me, was more about Westbrook, and tonight, it, he kind of showed why. Math matters, it turns out. And while the Lakers, you know, they had all the size, and uh, they shot something like, uh, what was it? Yeah, they shot 49 49- yeah, they shot 50% from the field. So did the uh, Rockets. But the difference here is that the Rockets shot 45% from three. The Lakers shot 29% from three. And there's your 10-point difference in the game. And, you know, I, I know I know you don't, you know, it's not groundbreaking analysis. You just say, like, hey, here are some numbers. But but really, that's that's kind of the basis of this. But, you know, the people, the skeptics in the, uh, of this approach to team building are going to say, well, are you banking on scoring 45 or hitting 45% of your threes <laughs> moving forward, which they will not be able to do. And, and there, therein lies the story, or at least part of the story here, is that tonight was a very good shooting night from the Houston Rockets. Eric Gordon goes 5 of 8. Um, Covington had some big ones on the stretch. He finished 4 of 7. And 
These nights are going to happen for Houston, and when they do, they're going to look like a team that can go into any arena and get a road win. The question is, how often can you shoot 45%? That's that's really high. The best teams shoot 37, 38. So um, is it just going to be that they are going to be a hot and cold team? I think a little bit. But the flip side, and the other part that's even more interesting to me, the Lakers kind of struggled more than I would have guessed with the the undersized defenders. Anthony Day, I mean, the Lakers are a very good, obviously, pick and roll team. That's mitigated by the switching, but they do have Anthony Davis, who's just such a big presence. And he went, goes for 32 points tonight, but he couldn't dominate. And especially when it mattered, he couldn't dominate some of the undersized switches that he got. And things get a little bit clunky sometimes, especially if that's not your offense. You know, the Lakers have a very dynamic offense, but if you go away from that to try to exploit mismatches, you're, the Rockets still win. They're still pulling you away from what you want to do. So the question to me is, can the Lakers and can other teams exploit that more than what the Lakers did tonight? This is now, I would probably say, the fourth or fifth time that the Lakers have been kind of lulled into this false sense. They, 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 get, they get carried away with the fool's gold that post-touches can be. And... You know, they the, the Clippers have done it to him multiple times. This is like the nth degree example of it where there were multiple, like like five, four or five straight possessions where the Lakers, while Davis was on the court and LeBron wasn't, would just walk the ball across the, uh, across half line, uh, the half court line, pass the ball to Anthony Davis while he's being covered by Robert Covington. The only guy that you don't want to take on one on one in a post in, in a post matchup there. And just oh, like, if you're Anthony Davis, yeah, yeah, and 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 like that was their offense, and and you know that's I don't think, you know, the, the Lakers, it, the Lakers well, here, do me, this thing. The Lakers do this thing where they just they match up hunt to to their own detriment, and teams have kind of figured this out on them. At some point, the Lakers have to figure out that that's their bugaboo. And I think in a playoff series, you probably, I mean, we'll who knows what Frank Vogel's going to do? A new coach with a new team, you never you never can really predict. But well, he's not really allowed I, to coach. Well, okay. What the Lakers do, we'll see. Because I do think that with Houston specifically, teams are going to try to figure them out. And they might be solvable. There might be something that's like, oh, that's the key. That's the thing you have to do. And then it works. And then they're just kind of rendered, you know, their weekend. But when go, going back to your comment in the post, you are right that that sort of slowed down, posted up, like, oh, we have a mismatch. Everybody clear out. That That has largely gone away. There are a few players in the NBA that I think can still do this in small doses at a high level, but it's largely gone away. The post-up now needs to generate double teams and kickouts, yeah. and it needs to get you to the foul line. Anthony Davis tonight, 32 points. He takes 21 shots, just five free throws. Yeah. To me, that is going to be one of the biggest sort of indicators against this Houston team is can you score on them in the paint and can you draw fouls and, and draw kickout threes? Um, Lakers just didn't do that also tonight something from the Davis post. struggles with. He does not handle the double team very well. So if that and if that happens, I think the Houston experiment, at least right now, is going to work. Yep. But again, Westbrook, I'm curious to see. Here's the interesting thing, Anthony. Tonight, James Harden has 14 points on 3 of 10 shooting. James, Russell Westbrook has 41 on 17 of 28. We have seen this this year. It's largely been Harden, but some nights it's been Westbrook. But this move to me was a Westbrook move, and I wonder if in a weird way this makes it not Westbrook's team, but I wonder if he now is the mismatch. He's the guy to exploit. That would be a really weird development that I at least think is a possibility. How much do you think uh, Harden only taking 10 field goals last night has to do with Giannis dumping on him while they were doing the all-star draft? <laughs> I wanted pretty, somebody who passes. Was, yeah. 
That was that's pretty funny, man. That is pretty funny. Uh, I wanna I wanna open this up though. So do you think this experiment, you know, the trade moving Capella, bringing in uh, Robert Covington, we'll finish on on this with this first segment. Do you think that is something that makes them a better team? Is it just a different team? Are they more susceptible in a playoff series? How do you feel this this might work moving forward? Again, I think it makes it more of a Westbrook team. And but here's the thing: I do think that it is likely solvable, and yeah. I think. It's likely solvable when Houston is on the defensive end. I think there's something there. This spreading the court, you know, it's going to be hot or cold, like I mentioned. You're either going to make your threes or not, and there will be nights that they might go two of 27 or whatever it was in that mm-hmm. playoff series. Like, And if that happens, they're going to get murdered. But to me, it has more to do with that other end. P.J. Tucker's a good player. Um, Robert Covington's a good, a very good role player. Those guys are solid. Daniel House, whatever. But there are guys out there, Jokic, Embiid, um, maybe Towns, Maybe even a few others that I just think that's not going to work. That, that those are the ones I'm most curious about. Is can those guys draw fouls, get to the, get to the free throw line, put up big points, draw the double, and make the make the open read? To me, that might. I, I look at Houston and I think they've beaten Denver so often. And it was that pick and roll that just over the last few years, Denver just couldn't solve that pick and roll. You take that away, I don't know. I think Denver's might be all right. Yeah, I would agree. I want to see which team actually stands by their usual offense and executes their usual offense and doesn't get mucked down by, oh, hey, a mismatch. Let's go get that guy. That I, I would like to see which team actually stands by their usual approach. I think that's when the Rockets will really kind of get ripped apart. Yeah, I would agree. And it's that's one of the values of what Houston's doing is they're so different than everyone else that it's almost like you have to come up with a whole new set of principles and game plans just for them. And that that can be tricky. But you can do that in a series. You can't do that in the regular season. Correct. Although, again, so for example, Denver does not play Houston again. So I feel pretty good that Denver could get a read on them and figure them out, but they don't even get a chance. The next yeah. time they'll play each other will be in a playoffs. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun little wrinkle that's like, hmm, I don't know, in anybody's yeah. game. All right, let's take a, a quick second here. When we come back, I want to talk about the rest of the trade deadline moves. Uh, obviously, you have the Golden State Minnesota trade. You had other one. Dwayne Dedman is back in Atlanta somehow, even though a lot of people forgot he left. So let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, take a quick second, come back, and we'll talk about that. All right, trade deadline day has come and gone, and half the league made a trade in a year that it was supposed to be a completely quiet NBA trade deadline. First off, Adam, how do you feel about the trade deadline? Do you do you like it as an experience? I do. It's always fun when you never know what's going to happen one second to the next. Yeah, I. This was my first time kind of covering the, the 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 trade deadline without being an aggregator and having to care about like minute by minute rumor. Oh, sure. Stuff. It was really nice. Well, I like this version of it a lot more. There's always a surprise. Like, I did not see Andrew Wiggins being traded today. So, you know, like that. Or Drummond. Was, yeah. There, well, Drummond maybe a little bit. He'd been more, more, you know, talked about. But Wiggins especially. I mean, I was like, there's no untradeable contracts, right? Isn't that what they always say? There's no untradeable contracts? That we now have to make. Like, that has to be one of the commandments now. It is a commandment. It's a stone. <laughs> All right, so uh, the trades that you know kind of took us all, that that that, that kind of garnered all of our attention. It kicks off with Andre Iguodala being sent to Miami and signing a two-year, thirty million dollar uh, extension. Though the second year of that thing is a is a player option or is a team option. 
Um, it, do you think? Do you think that moves the needle? Grand scheme of things. Oh, no doubt about it. In my opinion, yeah. And you also pick up Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, guys with length, switchability. I mean, the vers- versatile defenders um, that you know. I think you kind of need. So to me, I look especially at especially again going against Giannis. Especially going up against Giannis, even Ben Simmons, you know, like uh, Pascal Siakam. They've just got a lot of bodies now that you can throw out to some of your big players over there. Um, and, and more to the point, you know, we, Iguodala, <laughs> the last time we saw him in a playoffs, it was very, very good. So who knows what he'll be now with this year off. But um, I, I just think if he is what, what he was before, then they got another very talented player. And what did they give up? James Johnson, Deion Waiters, those were already pieces that were justice gone winslow. justice winslow is the piece that you lost there but i think you can say you got it you know an upgrade you got basically that three justice winslows yeah yeah i think i think overall they they help themselves and it's the kind of move that you make when you have jimmy butler because i'm a little wary of of jimmy butler's prime and when it might end and when you have a run like you're, when, when the window is open to the extent that it is currently open for miami you go for it all, and if there's a, a, a GM or, or an executive that you want involved in going all in, it's Pat Riley. So well, I, and like I was going to say the so that's around. what you do when you have Jimmy Butler. I that's what you do when you have Pat Riley. I mean, he's always yeah. he always it always seems like okay, this is the end of the run, and then a year or two later, he he's he's right back in the hunt. Um, yeah. So this is this is an impressive work by my, the Miami Heat, I think. And by you were going to ask a question earlier. Do you want to ask it now? Because this is the team I was going to bring up. Your your question was: Is there does this move the needle? Does this change anything oh. in the championship discussion? And yeah. for me, it does. The Miami Heat to me are they're they're the at the bottom of that top tier. But to me, the Miami Heat are sort of like the uh, Raptors of last year, where I just say like, oh yeah, that's a team that can pull it off. Like they they have some pieces that I really like. I'm not picking them to do it, but they're a dangerous team, and I, I just I think they became more dangerous. Let's also remember that it took the Warriors losing Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson for the Raptors to win that series. Well, I mean, okay, okay, sure, and and I think with Miami it's similar. I, I, you know, getting beating the best version of Milwaukee and the Lakers and Clipper, where whoever else, that'll take some luck. But, uh, you know, but they position themselves themselves to take advantage of that luck. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 look, I also I also like I don't want to be so snarky as to completely write them off and write them trying off. I think more teams should get more credit when they actually do commit to winning in the way that Miami did. Like for some reason we have moved into this era of if you aren't a title contender, if you aren't a title favorite, then you may as well effing rebuild. Like I don't that, think that's that, true that, this year though, Anthony. I, no, this no, is, no, that's what I'm saying. I like that this year is kind of an outlier in that respect. It's oh, kind yeah. of pushed back that narrative. I, it, I really like that in Miami kind of sort of, it is the is the perfect example of that. We in our next segment we're doing ranking the ten best teams in the NBA, and there's some teams I left off that are pretty good. Like it, it's yeah. rare that you can do that. Next uh, deal on my list here was Andre Drummond going to the Cleveland Cavaliers for a half-eaten sandwich and a single tennis shoe. That is right. That's that's true. <laughs> I think they threw in a washing machine as well. <laughs> This is uh, this is a this weird is one. Wild. This is insane. I can't believe that they like like this is the kind of trade that I wonder if there are any other NBA teams out there li- like looking at the Pistons like wait this that's all it took. If we knew <laughs> that's all it took, then we would have we would have made a similar offer. 
So you got Drummond, you got Kevin Love, you got Chetty Osman, you got Tristan Thompson to pair along with those young guards. I have no idea, man. Cleveland, to me, is that team that – there's certain teams that you're just not surprised when they get into that treadmill of mediocrity. And I think – I look at Sexton, and I think that's not a – a cornerstone piece by any measure. Um, I, I Darius Garland, I like. I don't love. I like. He's up, there's something, maybe something there for him being like an NBA player. But again, not a cornerstone. Now you've got Andre Drummond. You get stuck on that treadmill of mediocrity. I mean, you're you're two years removed from LeBron, and the pieces that you've assembled in that two years just are very very underwhelming. So um, weird move. And then uh, on Detroit's side, I mean, just getting rid of a player that. I think Drummond had some value but has failed to develop. And by the time you're 25, 26 years old, I just don't know that you can develop into you know something meaningfully different. Of course, you can improve and you can change directions. But um, his window of opportunity might have might have passed. And I think there was at least something there with Drummond at the very start. Uh, well, I think, I think for, for the Cavs, they felt like, all right, it's really rare that you have the opportunity to get somebody with the talent level of Drummond. Uh, for as little as they gave up, remember it was just it was just yeah. Brandon Knight and John Henson and like a second rounder for for Andre Drummond. So they figure at the very least, if they need to move Drummond, maybe they can get more than that uh, initial investment. And and I think in that respect, it's it's a fine. It's a fine approach to team building. The problem there, though, is well, what are you going to do with the development of the guys that are currently there? You you still have. You know, you still have those two guys that you men- mentioned, uh, Garland and Sexton, and this move doesn't really help them in any regard. And you're just going to have a lost season at the beginning of both their careers. That's that's where that that treadmill of mediocrity, if not worse, kind of kicks in. Uh, well, I don't think those two are going anywhere anyway. So, I mean, uh, to me, that's that's... <laughs> You can't ruin something that wasn't that great to begin with. But I, I don't know. I just, it's just the classic Cleveland is unfortunately in a spot where I don't, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for them. Yep. Uh, the next trade here, featuring an actual contender, is the Clippers landing Marcus Morris in in uh, what amounted to a three-team deal. Uh, the Lakers or the, the the Lakers miss out on Morris. It's somebody that they really wanted. Uh, the Knicks were off. <laughs> were asking for. For a pretty ridiculous haul in return for that, but they they get a pretty good return here for him though. They get uh, yeah. they they got uh, Mo Harkless, who they intend to keep a 2020 first round draft pick from uh, the Clippers. They got Jerome Robinson uh, going over to the Wizards in return for Isaiah Thomas, who will be waived or 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 whatever. Uh, but you know, I one thing that I really like about this deal is that the Clippers kind of double down on this identity of just being in your face, way tougher than you, that kind of works in the playoffs. And and also, again, you get a long, skilled player, you know, a versatile guy that can put it on the floor, he can shoot, he can back down, he uh, can guard multiple positions, um, you know, no, not a world beater by any means, but um, still a very good player. And you swap that for Mo Harkless, who was a very good defender, had that switchability on the defensive end, but he was a giant negative on the offensive end, yeah. or at least a, a, a real – liability there so but like you said they do they give pick swap rights in 2021 they gave up a 2022 second rounder um they really the clippers team really is like the lakers going all in with the lakers you know if they lose everything lebron and ad split up after two years or three years whatever it is 
you know, the Lakers still have the Lakers brand. They still have the people wanting to go. I'm curious to see if the Clippers feel the same way that, oh, well, we've given up a lot of our future assets, but guys are going to just always want to be in L.A., even if it's the Clippers. I'm, I don't know. We'll, we'll, it's an interesting thing to find out because while the Clippers don't have that Lakers brand, they still have Los Angeles in their favor. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But as far as this move in a vacuum, it makes the Clippers, I think, a little bit better against the teams that they seem most concerned about. And it keeps Morris away from the Lakers. Like Which is always fun, right? I mean, yeah. you have to you have to admit, even as a Lakers guy, you could say, "Oh, well, I'm glad we didn't pay that." You, not that you had it to pay, but whatever. But there is something too, like, "Oh, just not them." Yeah. Well, it, he, Morris would have really made the Lakers a tougher matchup for them because now you have a bigger guy who can guard either not can guard, but you can throw at Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Now the Lakers don't have that option, and you combine that with Iguodala going to Miami, and and the Lakers are really kind of running thin on those options. They have to really hope that somebody like Marvin Williams gets bought out because even Jay Crowder was somebody that they kind of had their eye on, and, and that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the final trade here, the big one that, <laughs> that I thought was if, – if Wiggins ever got traded, I thought Twitter would finally just implode. Everybody involved would just agree to, to say that this was a terrible, grand experiment that we should have never brought upon humanity. Uh, but Wiggins gets moved. He gets traded to, Oklahoma, uh, to uh, Golden State, and we still have Twitter to deal with. Yeah, of course. Um, the, I thought Marcus Thompson at The Athletic, terrific writer, obviously plugged into Golden State. He had a great piece on this, and he didn't hold back any punches about D'Angelo and about the Golden State Warriors as an organization. I mean, this was as much as D'Angelo was an asset that they felt like they could have and then move later on for a piece. They, I don't think they thought that piece would be Andrew Wiggins. And, yeah. Um, and it really did have a lot to do with getting, you know, D'Lo just didn't work out there. And I'm personally, I'm not surprised. You know me. I've never been a D'Angelo fan. I've always thought that he was, you know, sort of a, a fake star. Um, but nonetheless, the Warriors went with him and they ended up, he ended up not being the player or the asset that they anticipated. And now you have Wiggins, which is like, who knows what to expect of that? I, my gut tells me more of the exact same of Wiggins' career, but... This is a real test to that light years culture that that Golden State had built. Can they save a former number one pick that's been as disappointing as Wiggins? The thing I couldn't get out of my mind when I, because I saw versions of that same point being made that somehow this is a a testament to Russell not having that winning mentality. Which I look, there is some of that. You know, there I, I would be a little nervous if I was a Wolves fan and you were handing the keys to the organization over to Cat and to D'Angelo Russell and and allowing them to just go to, to to basically run amok with their potential combined immaturity if they don't figure it out. But also, like the Lakers thought that Steve Nash would kind of help smooth things over between Kobe and Dwight Howard, even when he was hurt. And what you come to find out is NBA players don't really listen to hurt other NBA players. And while D'Angelo Russell was being asked to kind of buy into the culture, well, he never played with Klay Thompson. He never played with Steph Curry, yeah. really. And while he did play with Draymond Green, those two guys were surrounded by Jordan Poole, 
Willie Cauley Stein. Like you can't you can't talk about team culture when the culture itself has been eroded by the types of players that you surround D'Angelo Russell with. I, I don't I didn't really understand the take at the mo- at the time, and considering how short a time Russell had there, it felt like a few cheap shots just kind of levied as somebody exits the the organization. I don't know about that. I mean, look, D'Angelo, if you're if he, if he really is an all-star caliber player, you at least look a little bit better than what that Warriors team did. I get, granted, they're not some great talent, but this is what makes the marriage between him and, Ta- and Towns and Minnesota so perfect. Carl Anthony Towns also hasn't won a game since November, <laughs> and some of that is because of injury, but a lot of that has to do with just when he's been in the lineup, they've been bad, and actually they've been worse defensively. Part of what's happened is it, the defensive drop-off when he's in there has been immense. So now you put two guys who I think for most of their careers have been like, oh, this guy's really good if he ever gets on a winning team. Well, now you have two guys that are buddies, you know, really good friends. They both have that over the course of their career. Let's see if they can actually walk the walk. I hope so, because I think Towns is a very fascinating player to watch. He's so skilled. And by the way, it's not just D'Angelo. Great, you know, very good three-point shooter, score, threat. You also get Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez. Yeah. Those are also some spot up, some much needed spot up shooting around them. There should be a lot of offense in that group. I don't know if there's any defense, <laughs> but there should be a lot of offense in that group. And you know, Towns has the running meat he wanted. He handpicked it. it. It's it's kind of gut check time for him. It is. They aren't going to show up in the next segment when we talk about power ranking the top ten teams right now. But I thought Minnesota won this trade deadline, kind of running away with it almost. Well, they they're certainly the ones that have. Put the, you know, like I said, they've put themselves in the position they said they wanted. This is what you wanted. Now you have it. Yeah. Now it's time to produce because Towns is significantly better than the success he has shown. And I do give him a little bit of a pass because the Timberwolves have been so weird. But at the same time, there's a lot of players that have had bad rosters and made something out of them more, more so than what Towns has, a player who hasn't won a game in three months. <laughs> Let's take a quick second. That's such a wild stat. <laughs> Let's take a quick second. When we come back here, we'll talk about we'll, we'll, we'll get to Adam's top 10 teams now following the trade deadline. All right. Be honest. As a Jokic hold on, guy. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on a second. You didn't oh. stop and start again, did you? No. Okay, good. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. All right, Adam. Be honest. As a Jokic guy. It brings you just a little bit of joy to say that last stat, right? Come on. Well, all I know is that Jokic had six <laughs> teammates last night in the fifth game of seven. Hey, man, some some players make excuses. Some players talk about they wish they had more all-star votes. And some players go out there and just produce. <laughs> Never change, Adam. Never, ever, ever change. <laughs> by, the, by the way, that is a joke, but I 100% am serious also. Yeah, no, those are the best jokes. Those are the, the, the best. <laughs> the best lies have a little bit of truth to them. The best jokes have a little bit of truth to them. Let's get to the power rankings, though. So the number ten team here, now that the trade deadline is passed, is the Houston Rockets. Wow, that's pretty. I, I don't know if that's a yeah. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I'm kind of curious to see you. You this you uh. uh famously eliminated them on week one last year of, <laughs> of the regular season so i know you're not a rocket stand by any means but no you know to, to me 
and, and I'm, I'm open to being wrong by this. This is an experiment that we've never seen before. They keep pushing the boundaries. I think D'Antoni and Daryl Morey both likely on the do- on the way out if this season doesn't wind up with a championship or at least close enough that you can maybe argue your spot. So this is their Hail Mary. This is their okay. This is the thing we always wanted to do. I'm just not buying it. To me, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work against all of the great teams they'd have to go up. If it if it worked out perfectly and they got the perfect bracket and could have avoided some of the teams that maybe can really get them, okay. But I just I, I just am not buying it. This might be – I'm still kind of workshopping this as a general kind of opinion or take or whatever. But I I don't think – the people who are criticizing the NBA for having the games look the same way where everybody's taking three-pointers and everybody's playing the same kind of style or whatever, you can't have that opinion and then kill the Rockets for an extreme version of even that equation. Because, like, I, it is still... I would, I, would even, I would even stop you one, one sentence further. I would just say you can't have that opinion. Because yeah. I don't think it's true. Like, well, no, but is even, tr- even if you are going to have that opinion, but uh, even if you are, like, you can't, you can't be angry about that if that's your, if you, if that's your grand stake, right? If that's what you're tying your opinion to, is this idea that everybody in the NBA is playing the same way, and then the Rockets go out and they have this grand experiment where they literally are ignoring one of the five positions on the court, and 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 now you're still going to say that the, the that the league looks too similar? That doesn't make any sense to me. It, it definitely does not. I mean, you've got you've got offensive teams. You've got teams that play through their bigs like Indiana and Denver. You've got spread pick and roll teams like in Dallas and with the Lakers. You got the Lakers playing big a lot. You just you have offense. You have fast. You have slow. There's just I think there's actually a lot of variety. What there's not a lot of variety of is where those plays finish. I mean, obviously yeah. you try to get to the rim. You try to get three pointers. But to me, that's not very. I mean. In the 80s, everybody took shots in the paint in the restricted area just like every time, but they yeah. did them in different ways. So to me, there's a lot of variance right now, and I, and I do agree with you. I, I don't enjoy the, – the, the, the one way I'll kick back to you, yeah. you can say you want more diversity in the NBA and also say that you don't want to watch the Rockets and James Harden dribble the air out of the ball for 20 yeah. seconds every time before <laughs> shooting a step back. Like I understand why people don't enjoy that, even if it is different. Yeah, I, I think if they had this grand experiment and it wasn't James Harden at the helm – I, I think more people will be okay with it. You're probably right. Uh, let's go to number no, nine. The Indiana Pacers. I think they're a really good team. The Pacers are a sneaky good team. I mean, mm-hmm. they went this whole last calendar year without Victor Oladipo, and they're still a 50-plus win team. Um, they've got some gr- some great talent, a lot of continuity, and Oladipo's just now – I mean, they got a free agent this year. His name is Victor Oladipo. They're adding him to the roster right at the trade deadline – or, I'm sorry, a trade deadline a- addition. They're getting him right at this time, and um, I don't know. They're dangerous to me. The Pacers are the classic team you'll never talk about. They kind of have to prove it in the playoffs, but – I think they're really like Miami. They're very, very talented with a lot of different guys that can do a lot of high level things. Yeah, I mean, you, you, everybody here that we're talking about made some acquisition or, or one version of an acquisition or another, but getting Victor Oladipo is about as good an acquisition as you yeah. can possibly make. It so, might be the best one if yeah. you just look at guys that joined a new team this week. Probably. All right, who's number eight? Philadelphia 76ers. This is really low, but I mean, I think it's a bit warranted with this team right now. They just look like they have an identity crisis, um, I guess you would say. And 
It just look, they're talented enough that it, would I be surprised if it clicked and and then they just started rolling at the right time? No, not at all. You, peaking in February, the first week of February is not the same as peaking in April. So there's time. But they have four straight losses. Atlanta, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee. And those last three in, in particular are important. You go on that four-game road trip, you lose every one, and those last three to the teams that you, allegedly you want to be in the conversation with. And, and in Miami's case, you lose 137 to 106 in a somewhat humiliating uh, fashion. You know, that second half, uh, just the dominance, the some of the plays Jimmy Butler made. Mm-hmm. To me, I look at them and I say, they there is nobody that should be buying stock in the Philadelphia 76ers right now based on their performance. I thought it was weird that it was Josh Richardson who called the team meeting. Not Ben Simmons, the, the, not Joel Those Embiid. things matter. Not yeah, Al right. Horford, like it was, it was, it was Josh Richardson, which like fine, it's, you know, it's a testament to like what he's about and stuff. But I found it odd that he was the person who called that together and not any of the de facto leaders. I, that's a great point. I'm actually, <laughs> I, I am fascinated by that as well now. Yep. Uh, number seven. Is number it number seven? seven? Yeah. Yeah, it is number seven. The Boston Celtics. Wow, that's pretty low. I guess it the is league pretty is low. pretty good. The league is really good. And actually, I, they're, they're the one team I feel a little bit bad about because you look at them over this last couple of games. They've got five straight wins. Um, it hasn't been the best schedule. They did beat Miami. They did beat Philadelphia. So um, a couple – in fact, they beat Miami on the road just a week ago. But, you know, to me, I don't know. I, I, you, you talked about this being after the trade deadline, and I like what Miami did. So, um, you know, they're going to get a nod above them. But the Celtics, to me – the East is actually fascinating this year, I mm-hmm. think, Anthony, because the Bucks are the team at the top, at least at the moment. Would you be surprised if it was the Raptors, if it was the Celtics, if it was the Heat? To me, I just wouldn't be completely surprised, um, even though I have the ones I think would be better, and, and that's impressive. And then you got teams like the Pacers and 76ers, who I think are at least capable of upsetting any one of them. I don't think upsetting all of them, but upsetting any one of them, and that that's a fun. That's what you want in your playoffs. Yeah, I. <laughs> So are you telling me, Adam, that you were thinking about putting Boston at number six or maybe even number five or maybe number four, but you just couldn't quite pull the trigger on the deal? <laughs> I Danny Ainged it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Did I Danny Ainged it? You Danny Ainged it. You Danny Ainged the hell out of it, and I, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, well, so here you have the next team on my list is the yeah. Toronto Raptors, so we're staying in the East, and... All right, you have a nice five-game winning streak with Boston. That's cute. The, the Raptors right now, I think it's a 13-game winning streak yeah. they have going on. They have not lost since January 12th. Um, and they've played some some winners in there. You know, they played some some teams, Philadelphia, Indiana. Um, I guess that's it. It has been a little bit of a soft schedule at <laughs> San Antonio. Um, Oklahoma City, that's a good win. But, um, no, I mean, that, again, the Raptors are a good team. I think the, a lot of the middle of the – of the like that second tier, a lot of those teams actually come from the East this year. I think you might be right, and also, you know, we talked about Victor Oladipo coming back from injury, but they're getting some guys back from injury too. Which you know, for a lot of these teams, if you approach that as a deadline acquisition, like that's a good way to approach it, and especially from the standpoint of. Because we saw this a little bit here with the Clippers when there were those previous reports that guys were upset 
with you know the the pampering of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and and there was some, some massaging of egos that that needed to take place there. The guys that hold up organizations in, during you know what should be down periods when those when when the guys who were playing above them get back. It, it it you know it does take a bit of a transition period and the fact that the Raptors have gone on this winning streak while they're working some of these guys back it it, it does speak really well to what they're capable of moving forward I think yeah uh, totally you're gonna hate me now because we get into the top five here and uh-huh. I do have a homer a homer pick at number five uh-huh. and that is my Denver Nuggets who have I thought not, they'd be higher have... I thought I thought you were gonna go into like the letters or or like negative spots or something like that oh yeah well yeah they should be I mean we'll see. <laughs> but here's the thing here's the thing about Denver that you know obviously quietly the third best record in the NBA I think now just three or uh, in the West now just three games behind the Lakers. Um, I think that'll surprise a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But here's what's really surprising. We talked about this off air. You rolled your eyes. The Nuggets have just had arguably the toughest stretch, three-week stretch of the entire season. Five back-to-backs in three weeks. Less than three weeks. Five back-to-backs. And a lot of those on the road. I think 10 of the last 16 games have been on the road with all of these back-to-backs in between. And over that stretch, early on in that stretch, you lose Jamal Murray, you lose uh, Gary Harris, you lose Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, Michael Porter Jr. All those guys go down, and Denver still wins. Why? Because Jokic right now is on a whole other level. And just over the last, like, 15, 20 games, he's something like 28 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 55, 40, 80. Uh, He's just on a tear right now. And before everybody started going down, Michael Porter Jr., we talk about Victor Oladipo on a smaller scale. Michael Porter Jr. is Denver's trade deadline acquisition. The month of January was his breaking out period, um, and we have yet to see the Murray-Michael Porter Jr.-Jokic trio for extended minutes. To me, I actually think the Nuggets are in a very, very good spot, flying perfectly under the radar, and ready to sort of come together for the first time all year as a fully healthy squad. If you get this far with not being healthy and you're, you're at that record at the third spot in the Western Conference, let's see what you can do when you are healthy. My one problem with the way that Denver approached the trade deadline is that they had a, very, they had a glaring hole that, that, granted, every team has, right? The, every, what is the hole? What is the hole? Who do you throw on Kawhi? Who do you throw on LeBron? Who do you throw on Paul okay. George? And, okay. and like... Well, that, uh, for the record, get... Jeremy Jer- Jer- Jeremy Grant has actually shut down Kawhi twice now this season. And when I say shut down, I mean absolutely. I, I I think like in two games, Kawhi was shooting something like three of eighteen when guarded by him. I mean, he's really done a nice job on him. But you're not wrong. You need multi. You don't need one guy. You need yeah. multiple guys that can do that. And 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 you know maybe they get that guy via the buyout market. I guess Mark Berman of the uh, Post, I believe, is saying that the Knicks. Would entertain a buyout for Harkless if if he asked them uh, to do so, and and you know, like I said earlier, maybe Marvin Williams uh, hits the market, and and maybe they can address some of those some of those holes that way. But to not, it wasn't just that they didn't address that hole; it was that they helped another team get the guy that really probably filled that hole in Covington. Well, that rubbed me well, the wrong inter- way a little bit. Well, well, hold on. What's interesting about that one is Houston is actually the team that has had Denver's number over the years, and a large part of that is because Capella, while he can't stop Jokic, he can guard him pretty. You know, he, he challenges him, um, and then that lob was the thing that killed them. Taking away Capella, I think Denver's only wins over the Rockets over the last few years have been without Capella. So to me, 
part of the reason Denver made that trade, and I think a big part of it, was they took one team that they hadn't been able to figure out, and they turned them into a team that I think they feel very comfortable against now. And again, Houston is not worried about the Denver Nuggets. They're worried about those other teams. But I kind of wonder if they overlooked Denver a little bit, and now they're more vulnerable to them. Yeah, I saw this take quite a bit on the timeline from from the people I follow in Denver, and and again, like that that's one team, and what happens if you don't play against Houston, and and that hole that is going to hit you eventually, you know, because I think eventually, if if the Nuggets want to get to the finals, they're going to have to go through the Clippers, they're going to have to go through the Lakers, and the Lakers in the matchups that we've seen this year. You know, LeBron kind of toyed with Denver a little bit, and and that's that's where I would I would be a little nervous, and and I'd be a little tweaked if I were a Nuggets fan that they didn't address that hole. I well, what was the player that they could have addressed that with? Covington, Marcus Morris, Covington. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. I don't know. I. To me, I actually don't. I, I'll disagree with you on that. Yeah. I just don't think Denver was going to have a guy that could guard LeBron. And yeah, I mean, sometimes that it's like okay, exist. Yeah, exactly. So maybe sometimes it's like, like Kobe stopper thing. Like no, no, actually, that doesn't actually work. Jokic just went into Houston and dominated. He went into Utah and dominated on the second night of a back-to-back with only six teammates. Yeah, that'll be a phenomenal seven. NBA and, and, TV. And then and they went into Mil- Maybe, maybe. I'm just saying that right now. What I'm saying again. I, I, I'm planting the seed, and everybody I know in April goes, oh, wow, where'd this team come from? You pay attention, you'll see that they're actually doing some stuff right now, and that's all I'm going to say. Are they vulnerable? Of course. All the teams in the West are vulnerable, even yeah. the Lakers. Yeah. But at the same time, I just think they're surging more than people realize. But that being said, they are number five, which is, you know, there's still four teams ahead of them. Yep. Number number four is that Miami Heat team, and um, they're just tough. I mean, they're a tough out. They've got a lot of versatility, a lot of defense. A lot of grit, and you get into a dogfight. I, I just am taking them. So, um, yeah, I, I, you can make a case. Honestly, you can make a case for this list being in almost any order. But to me, I like that move at the deadline, and I'm really curious to see them roll out their lineups of all great defenders with length and toughness. Yeah, if if Iggy isn't completely washed, it's a great move. But we aren't positive that that's the case, and they extended him. So. We'll see how that actually works out. But I do like that Miami, you know, recognizes their identity, stuck with that identity, and made themselves the best version of that identity to, to be able to go into the playoffs. That's that's a fun version of a team. Miami versus LeBron in the finals? I mean, come on. <laughs> with with all of that length to, to specifically throw at LeBron and frustrate him? I mean, come on. Who doesn't want that? Can Can Wade come out of retirement and play for Miami? And we finally get the Wade <laughs> LeBron finals or something like that. You know what? I approve. I approve. <laughs> Number three. Number three is the Clippers. Um, I've thought for a while, you know, the Clippers have this great record despite having all of the injuries and all the, the low minutes or whatever. I do think there's a chance that their ceiling is significantly higher than what I or you have given them credit for. Mm-hmm. I still There's still something about them I'm just not buying. And, and like Houston, I feel like they've tooled up to go against the Lakers and go against the Rockets and go against those teams. And there are, there's just a few teams and Denver's one of them that they haven't tooled up for. Avica Zubats, Mantras Harrell, Jokic, you know, Jokic cooks those guys. So um, it, it's interesting. They're just like everybody else. They're vulnerable to some teams, but I do think that in a matchup with the Lakers who are sort of the top dog right now in the West in a matchup with the Lakers, it's, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be dirty. And, and, that's exactly what the Clippers wanted, and I think they've achieved it and made it even slightly better with the addition of Marcus Morris. 
I, I understand that anything I say here that is at all negative towards the Clippers is going to be taken as, oh, Lakers guy just hates the Clippers. So, Well, I just put Nuggets at five, so you're <laughs> fine. You're safe. You're safe. This is a safe space. With, with, with that as context, if you're a Clippers fan and you saw how little it took to get Andre Drummond, are you kind of wondering, like, wait, what, would, what, what could we have done to be able to get that he- guy? You really value Andre Drummond. To me, he's to me that's a negative piece, especially in a playoff series. I just don't think he does the things that you need from that well, spot. And I know you're going to say, well, they don't have any bigs. But to me, Drummond isn't a player that fits in. He's yeah. a player that's like, okay, now we have this type of guy, and it fundamentally changes you. So I, I would disagree on that one. But, I just, but I, I feel like if Drummond gets moved, I do think he buys in a little bit more than if he's a franchise guy. It's, but I don't even think it has anything to do with buying in. I, it's what is he capable of doing, his size, where he has to be on the court. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, they, I think they did. They do need a big. Like, I, I do think they would have been better if do. they would have just had some some center out there. But, again, we're talking more about specific teams that maybe they have a different approach for. I think with the Lakers, they feel better about having their switchable lineup than they're worried about just having a big inside to battle with Dwight or Anthony Davis. Well, watching last last night's game, we'll, we'll probably give them more confidence in that regard. Next, uh, who's number two? Number two is the Lakers. Huh. So, they, yeah, they're interesting. The reason I have them two, they could easily be one. The reason I have them two, well, one, the record, you have to give it to, to yeah. Milwaukee again just for what they've done this regular season. Might be a juggernaut. But the, but the other reason is because I you, mentioned, you referenced this briefly earlier, but – the Lakers were always going to be maybe a trade team, but certainly a buyout team. And mm-hmm. I do feel like they have one, one, at least one piece still waiting. Is it Darren Collison who was at the game tonight with Jeannie Buss watching? <laughs> is it him? You know, is, is it somebody else? The, to me, that's when I'll, I'll give a final evaluation. But for now, I'll put them in two so they have a, a space to climb. Yeah, if the Lakers – now, look, this is my pipe dream. If the Lakers somehow add Collison – and cut Rondo and cut like Boogie and add Harkless or a wing like that, then I would I, I would I would probably put them as as my title favorites. Homer Homerness aside, I would have them up there with any but any other team in the NBA. Uh, but the problem is they aren't gonna cut Boogie because he's Anthony Davis's friend. They aren't gonna cut Rajon Rondo because he is uh, close with LeBron and A D. So they're going to make themselves actively worse. They're going to probably cut a Quinn Cook or a Troy Daniels or somebody like that to, to add uh, Collison if they go that route or if they if if uh, Mo Harkless is made available. Will they even add him because they don't want to cut somebody else? Right? Like those are those are concerns that that are facing the the Lakers and and like if you know I am obviously I, I cover the Lakers and I consider myself a bit of a Laker fan. That's something that legitimately makes me nervous is are they actually going to do the thing that makes them the best version of themselves or are they going to abide these weird unwritten rules that they can and cannot do because they're afraid to tick off Anthony Davis heading into free agency? As much as I agree with you that those players are very good, I do worry about a guy like Harkless. And maybe this is coming off of a fresh series with Portland last year where yeah. – Denver was going to win that series until Portland benched Harkless. I mean, he was the reason that they <laughs> – Yeah. But because anytime you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, you have your bread and butter. Like you have an action that you can go to over and over again. But if Mo Harkless is on the court and I'm guarding that, I just say, you know what? 
what's the most points Harkless can score while he's on the court? Because my <laughs> guess is that number's like 11. Yeah. Or, or maybe on a hot day, 16. But it's certainly not 35, 40, 50 or whatever I'm going to try to force him to to, to to the shots I'm going to force him to take. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. It's just about, like, the Lakers have been an outright disaster when LeBron has sat. And I think... Collison helps in that regard if they add him, and I think Harkless helps a little bit in that regard if they add him. It's just it's just another body that they can throw at Kawhi or Paul George or or whatever big talented wing that they might face as they move further into the playoffs. You nope. know what else helps helps with that problem is playing in the playoffs where LeBron just doesn't have to sit. I mean, he doesn't have to. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to true. sit. He can play. That's um, true. Number one. I thought, number I thought one, you were going to say, you know what helps in that regard is having Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> no, number one on my list, clearly it's the Orlando Magic. I just, I just love – no, I'm kidding. No, it, <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks. The James, ad, the, the James Ennis ad, huh? Like, a huge, that was the piece. That was the piece. I've been telling everybody. Um no, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they are forty-four and seven. I guess we're we're probably not making a big enough deal out of that. They are forty-four and seven. Yeah, there's there's at least there's like a one percent chance that they set an NBA record for most wins. <laughs> they have not yet have been eliminated from that goal, so mm-hmm. they 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 can set an NBA record. But no, they're just they're really good. Um, I do think they're vulnerable in the playoffs because, as we've stated, there's a lot of really good teams, and they're not gonna. A lot of years when you have a team like that, you'd say, okay, they're going to have one really tough series in the, you know, before they get to the finals, one medium tough and one easy. I don't think that's the case anymore. That first one, probably easy. Second one, though, is going to be a dogfight. Third one's going to be a dogfight. And then whoever they get in the finals is going to be a dogfight. So I really like Milwaukee. I think they should be the number one team right now. But um, their odds of winning the title are still well below 50%, well below probably 30%. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I think some of this is we saw them, you know, maybe not quite this dominant, but a version of this dominant last year and then just kind of stumbled in the playoffs. And and I think that kind of sticks out in everybody's mind. But it maybe what if last year's playoffs was just an outlier and they are actually this good? And, and you know, there's no question that they're this good. And, and yeah. also that when we say outlier, no, but I mean in that setting, in that in that setting, you know, they almost were up three games to zero. I mean, they were yeah. very, very close. They took some remarkable games from Fred Van Fleet. I mean, this is the thing you always it, this is what I, I love about some of these big overarching narratives when we talk about all time greats as you go, oh, well, they fell. They couldn't even beat. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard. It wasn't Kawhi Leonard. He was very good. Fred Van Fleet was the X factor, and he yeah. ended up winning that one for him. Maybe he's not this year. I mean, is he going to have the exact same series that he had last year against Milwaukee? Maybe. <laughs> I would die. But, I would die laughing. But maybe, yeah. But maybe not, you know? So we'll Everybody in Milwaukee from here, from this point on, damn you, Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> uh, all right. That'll do it for this episode, this week's episode of uh, the Lockdown NBA podcast. Fun trade deadline behind us. Really fun, intriguing season ahead of us. Make sure you guys continue to tune in, not just to this show, but to all of the shows across the entire Locked On NBA network and the entire Locked On uh, podcast network, uh, given everything that we have to offer there. Have a uh, great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next Friday.